This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Visit bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 69th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. It's Christmas Eve. Going to see Star Wars after this. Life is good. How are you? I'm doing very well. That sounds like a great day. Uh, yeah, we're getting a little bit uh, early start on everything just to get an episode out so everybody can listen to it as they're traveling uh, for Christmas. And uh, Yeah, I had an interesting start to the morning. We were supposed to meet at 7.30 today to do the podcast. Uh, I woke up at 6.30, which is plenty of time to get here by 7.30 for the podcast. And uh, I fell back asleep on accident. Woke up, it was 7.31, and that's one minute too late for the podcast, and I'm still in bed. So I... Right. I, uh, He's still in bed. We're yeah. doing this remote so, from Kyle. So I, uh, I got up as fast as I could, threw on some clothes, didn't take a shower, and drove here and made it by almost 8. So yeah, I did okay. Perfect time. But uh, <laughs> not exactly <laughs> ideal. <laughs> well, Kyle, we've got a really, uh, really fun basketball game to talk about. Uh, but before we do that... Support for the Missouri Sports Podcast comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. This revolutionary company, Manscaped, has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology so this trimmer won't nick or snag. The Lawnmower 2.0 comes inside their Perfect Package 2.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. Hopefully you've already bought it because Christmas is tomorrow. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. The Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? The Perfect Package will also come with a pair of Manscaped Boxer Briefs that will keep you feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to Manscaped's high-performance anti-chafing boxer briefs. Get 20% off and free shipping with code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. The 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BIGHEADS. Yeah, like you said, uh, Christmas is tomorrow, so if you haven't uh, purchased that for somebody, it's probably a little too late to get it here on time, but maybe people don't see their relatives till like, new year's and they have to they celebrate christmas at that time so maybe you can get a used one on like uh craigslist or something <laughs> that's not an endorsement nobody do that please don't do uh, that. you did not that hear was that, a, that was a joke from this podcast well uh moving on to the show uh, we're gonna of course talk all about bragging rights uh but before we do that we have some news not a whole lot of news um kyle will tell us why there's not a lot of news right now but uh I did see on Twitter that uh, 2022 uh, Missouri football recruit Isaac Thompson uh, just let everybody know that he was re-offered by the new staff at Missouri. He is uh, St. Louis area wide receiver slash defensive back. 
and uh, one of the better players in the state, so it would be important to get him on board early. Uh, that'll be one of the guys that Drinkwitz is talking about, you know, locking down the borders, and uh, that's a good place to start. Yeah, that's obviously a name we're going to be talking about for a while because I think it's a 2022 guy. He's a wide receiver, DB from, like you said, from St. Louis. So um, a guy that we're going to have to be in on from the very beginning to have a chance at probably. Um, but, yeah, it'll be be one of those first guys that we're going to see if, if Trink can uh, live up to the expectations and, and lock down some of the top guys in the state. And we'll see probably some more recruiting action uh, early into the new year. Yeah, I think we're in a dead period right now until probably that second week of January. I think it's January 11th, if I'm remembering that correctly. So I think they can still talk, like text and call and stuff, but they can't see each other face-to-face until that date. So we probably won't see a whole lot of recruiting news come out until then, and then it'll obviously really pick up probably midway through January because we've got about 10 guys we probably need to uh, add to the class before the first week of February. So yeah, it'll go really fast. Um. Any other news or anything? I saw, I mean, we've been talking about Arkansas a lot lately. I saw that they uh, added offensive coordinator Kendall Bryles. So kind of a controversial pickup, but you had to know his uh, career in football was not going to end um, after the Baylor fiasco. But um, Has he been anywhere recently? I think he has been, um, yeah. Okay. But just like kind of under the radar, yeah. lower level stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's... Uh, Football-wise, that's probably a decent hire. Yeah. They've got – I feel like their coordinators are more impressive than their head coach. Well, sometimes, I mean, if you got a guy that just can, you know, that's true. manage people a little bit. But uh, that's enough talking about Arkansas. We've talked about them enough the last two weeks. <laughs> uh, you ready to talk about this basketball game? Oh, absolutely. It was a doozy of a game. Um, a dandy, if you will. A doozy and a dandy. I've watched it twice now, and – Enjoyed it both times. However, I don't think I enjoyed the officiating quite as much as John Sunvold did. Uh, he was all about that uh, letting them play attitude. And I have been consistent in the fact that I think uh, the offense struggles uh, a lot more when the refs just let them play. But uh, we'll talk about that in, in a second. I'll get your opinion on it. So Missouri won this game 63-56. to Of course, it was played in St. Louis. That makes it two in a row for Missouri. And um, outside of the opening five or six minutes, Missouri looked really, really good in this one. I mean, the sort of the way the refs were letting them play definitely helped Missouri, I think. At least they were able to adjust quicker and take advantage of it a lot better than Illinois was. And Illinois is a physical team. They're, they're considered the best rebounding team in the country so far this season, especially uh, on the offensive glass. So, and Missouri just, you would have never known that just from watching this game. Missouri outmuscled them pretty much the whole time. And basically Illinois just got outworked for the majority of the game. Um, any uh, just thoughts off the top before we break it down a little bit more? Uh, yeah, definitely. I like what you said about rebounding. You, you probably would not have known. Um, that Illinois was such a premier rebounding team because I really think Missouri just somehow wanted this game more. I don't know how, you know, it's a rivalry game and Illinois looked like they were sleeping, sleepwalking there for a little while. Uh, it looked like me out there. Um, I, I don't know, but it, it was really, it was really intriguing to watch and it was good to see um, Pickett kind of 
wake up again and he's two for two on looking fantastic in bragging rights games so i'm fine with that but um man if we could you know we've said it all along in this podcast this this season if we could just get a little bit more production out of a few of those those sophomores then you know we're looking decent so and that was definitely what happened in this game Javon Pickett was fantastic yeah it's weird that I mean it seems like if the team is struggling Drew Smith can kind of pick him up a little bit offensively but he needs some help somewhere and if we if we're saying that Missouri is struggling offensively, that usually means that Mitchell Smith and Tillman aren't doing anything because if they're producing, then that can kind of mask everything else. Mm -hmm. So if you told me going into this game, I said Mitchell Smith, I meant Mark Smith. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) If you, if you told me going into this game that Mark Smith and Jeremiah Tillman would combine for four points, right? I would say this was a disaster. Right, we got in Missouri beat by scored, twenty-five. <laughs> yeah, like fifty points. Yeah, um, I just I love seeing the uh, <clears throat> just the resurgence of, of Javon Pickett, and I think uh, I'm becoming a huge Pinson fan. Man, he's really been fantastic and so fun to watch, and just brings something that nobody else brings to this team. Really, I don't know. He kind of brings something that nobody's had in like the whole Conzo Martin era, like just his ability to slash and get to the bucket is truly I think kind of just reinventing this offense a little bit because nobody else can do it as well as him and And he does it with athleticism yes it just creates so many more options for the offense whenever he's just getting to the bucket like that yeah um speaking of Pinson he kind of made his mark on this game early with a really late shot clock three-pointer Illinois was up 19 to 13 at that time and uh, Missouri was struggling but that that kind of I think kickstarted Missouri and got him going, and that was as early as it was. That was a pretty crucial possession because Illinois was going on a little bit of a run, and it looked like potentially a turnover, maybe even a shot clock violation on Missouri. But Penson saw the clock was running out, launched a pretty deep three, and made it. And then from there, Missouri's like I said, Missouri's offense woke up. They uh, they took the lead at twenty two twenty one with three minutes left in the first half and then took a three-point lead into halftime. And then coming out of halftime, the offense really picked up. I mean, the first five minutes there, uh, Penson hit another three. Penson and Pickett both made tip-ins, and they stretched it out to an 11-point lead. Um, another Pickett put-back Pickett put uh, gave Missouri a 14-point lead, 47-33 with 11 minutes left. And everything was going Missouri's way. Mm-hmm. I mean the Illinois I don't think scored a a field goal for like two minutes and then they scored like two field goals in the first 12 minutes of the second half yeah yeah it was sometimes sometimes it feels like we're always on the other end of those bad runs but man it's so fun to be on the good side especially in a game that's so important but um this is a little bit of a pivot but um one guy we kind of forgot to highlight a little bit was is Mitchell Smith. And do you think this was his his best game ever as a Missouri Tiger? Yeah, I mean, he didn't score a ton. Like, we've seen him splash home a few threes mm-hmm. in games that didn't quite matter as much. But let's see, how many minutes did he play? He played 35 minutes in this game. That's, that's leading the team. Yeah, and that yeah, that's easily a, a career high for him. And... Yeah, I mean, he he was playing excellent defense. Of course, uh, Jeremiah Tillman got in foul trouble, and uh, it kind of forced, for some reason, uh, 
to pivot off of your pivot, uh, <laughs> Kofi Coburn. Uh, we said his name wrong, apparently, the entire last episode, but how in the world would you ever imagine that his name is pronounced Coburn? I don't know. Uh, we were talking about we both thought that uh, John Sunvold was mispronouncing it at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. We were like, oh, no, we were just pr- mispronouncing it for an yeah. hour last week. Yeah. Um, and so did the announcer at the Tournament of Champions a couple <laughs> years ago. <laughs> but uh, back to Mitchell Smith. Uh, when Tillman went, got in foul trouble and Coburn was not super effective for Illinois, um, yeah, Mitchell Smith just played excellent defense, made the hustle plays. He was diving on the ground for balls. Uh, he was bringing energy. I mean, when he took that charge. Yeah, he's drawing fouls. Um, and stuff. Yeah. It, that was kind of set up because he knew what this guy was going to do. Um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the kind of like stretch four or five Georgie. big man. Yeah, Georgie. We'll just go with that for Illinois. Uh, he posted up Mitchell Smith early in the game backed him down and got a basket and Mitchell Smith knew it was coming and didn't need to flop because Georgie was just throwing his body into him and got the foul call and Mitchell Smith was fired up yeah he was he he expressed that many times in this game and it was just fun to see and but yeah he was all over those 50-50 balls and keeping plays alive, tipping rebounds out to the guards and stuff like that. Right. He's the kind of guy that makes this team even more lovable than it than it already is to me um, because he kind of looks like like he might be the, the team's trash talker, first of all. He's always getting in somebody's face, which as long as he's not getting like technical fouls, I kind of love that. <clears throat> and he's just kind of the glue guy right now. You know, he's, he's not really doing anything spectacular, but he's just kind of keeping the team – like rowing in the right direction, like just doing all the little things that don't necessarily show up in the stat sheet and, um, but still do still doing things that are noticeable. And, um, I, I really love the way he played this game. And I don't know, I think that if he plays that way the rest of the year, he's going to help Missouri win, win some big games. And I think that he's going to probably have a spot in the starting lineup the rest of the year, if he keeps playing like that, because that was just like prototypical Conzo Martin type play. Yeah. I think, Conzo loves the idea of having a, a big man like that with his length and height that can be quick enough to guard smaller players mm-hmm. because that's just... He really can move pretty well for how big he is. He's, yeah. I mean, what, 6'10"? 6'10", yeah. Yeah, he can move pretty well. He's as tall as Tillman, mm-hmm. um, but he's probably quicker than Kobe Brown. Yeah. Um, I would definitely, uh, if I was like making a three-on-three team or something, I would definitely want Mitchell Smith. On I don't know team if I'd go that far for that like versatility and just like, you know, he can step out to yeah, three. He did well, a good job defending bigs in this one. So. Yeah, that's a nice thought, but I don't know about that. Yeah, I would. I mean, no doubt about it in my mind. Are you a little bit worried about the lack of production that we've gotten from our three freshmen? Mm, no, um, just because they're not needed as much this year, I think. What we've gotten from Kobe Brown has been sufficient in his sort of, he starts, but then he kind of plays limited minutes, um, only 13 in this one. So I'm not too concerned about it. I actually like the fact that they're not having to play those guys 30 minutes, any of them. So, but when you've got three sophomores that right now are all coming off the bench and they're all, uh, Torrance Watson needs to step it up a little bit, but for the most part, these guys, you can run them out there 30 minutes a night and not really see a dip in production. 
when you have that luxury to have those guys to go along with the upperclassmen, then you just don't really need it from the freshmen. Gotcha. And the physical stuff I think is there. So uh, as they get older and mature a little bit and understand the game a little bit more, I think I, I don't see any reason to be too worried at this at this time. Did you have a different thought? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, maybe a, a little bit with, with, I mean, with Mario not playing and Trey, I think, only played a couple minutes in this game and really hasn't played a whole lot in the last few games. I don't know if I would say I'm worried, um, but somebody has to play. Somebody has to sit on the bench, unfortunately. They're, they have too many people that, you know, that we can't play 10 guys a game. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'll say I'm worried, but it would be nice to see maybe a little bit of production from from them from time to time but you're probably not going to see that in a big game against illinois no maybe uh the next game we'll talk about in a little bit true um we talked about the rebounding let's see okay so at this point in the game tillman had probably the play of the year for missouri basketball so far this year i would say probably uh just a monster put back slam i didn't even know it like went in at first it was like he <laughs> he dunked it so hard i was like what what happened and the noise it made was so like monstrous yeah they've got those mics right there on the rims just perfectly so yeah. that they catch all of that but um there's like a if if you watch the uh broadcast and seen highlights after that there's the normal camera angle and then there's three replays of it that are all excellent yeah and so with, with like in the highlight video that mizzou puts out even on the broadcast when they were recapping a little bit later, they show all three of those replays back to back to back, and it's just perfection. Yeah. And like he's, and the commentators even said, you could hear that one in Como. Mm-hmm. I would always like to have John Sunvold uh, commentate for Missouri games. Yeah, just he does a that great job. And he just knows so much about the team, yeah. so he always does a great I job. I kind of felt bad. As much as you can feel bad for Illinois, I kind of felt bad for their fans, like having to listen to a guy that clearly knew more about the Missouri squad than the Illinois squad, but yeah, I don't think I felt he, bad he did for his him, homework. but it was, it was clear that yeah, he, yeah, everybody knows who he is. And we had to watch it on big 10 network last week, True. So, last year. So, uh, Tillman almost outdid that play like a minute later, but got absolutely rejected. <laughs> oh man. I, that was, that was almost scary. I, I, I hope that he's okay. It looked yeah. like he like kind of, maybe tweaked his shoulder or something there like I mean, it's kind of an he, unnatural movement he was bringing that ball in really hard i wish he would have made that yeah. right on coburn so bad that would have been amazing that was uh, yeah he w- that was going to be like <clears throat> an all-timer right for missouri if he if he makes <laughs> that because he was cocking it back for like a real real slam yeah unfortunately it was blocked but of yes. course as happened the entire second half Javon Pickett was there, mm-hmm. got the offensive rebound, and made a layup, and the possession was saved because of some timely rebounding. Um, then right after that, I think, I don't know how much Tillman would have played down the stretch after that. It, he kind of was favoring his shoulder, and apparently he had a foot injury a little bit going into the game. But it didn't matter because he got a he was part of a double technical that was kind of head scratching for me because of after I, if they called the double technical like right when it happened i would have understood a little bit but then when they went to the replay and it was just like a bump and a slight push yeah i it I was just really, kind of confusing yeah. why they would maybe they you know they talk about like needing to 
get control of the game or whatever and just make sure things don't escalate. Yeah, but it already had de-escalated at that point. Exactly. There was nothing. I don't think there was much animosity left after that altercation in particular. Yeah. I think maybe issue a common foul or something at the time and then just move on. I don't know. I don't really know how it would work. I think that's just a nothing. I think that's just like... Or a nothing. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. And maybe they had warned the guys already or something, but that was kind of weird. So that was the end of Tillman's night. So we already talked about not a great game from him. Uh, He did just enough, I guess, to, you know, playing solid defense on Illinois' big men. And uh, you definitely have to credit him for why uh, Kofi Coburn wasn't, you know, his typical monstrous self. He still scored 13 points. Yeah, he still kind of had quietly a a decent night stats-wise. Only two rebounds, though. Yeah, that's true. That's pretty terrible. That's something that Illinois really needed him to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Tillman, 17 minutes, only four points. And only one rebound himself. So I guess he wasn't the one taking them from Coburn, but maybe he was allowing for more team rebounds uh, by doing a good job blocking out or something. But uh, So he was out of the game with that technical. But since he just hadn't been a real big part of Missouri's success, I wasn't too worried about it. And uh, Mizzou kind of just kept the, their lead around 10 to 14 for pretty much the entire second half. And they it got to that point where it's like, okay, we've reached the point now where if they lose this game, it's going to be an absolutely crushing heartbreak of a loss. And those are always fun because there's always that factor out there when you think about recent history of Missouri blowing big leads. Yeah, I think you texted me, I don't know, maybe halfway through the second half and they had a nice lead and you're like, I wouldn't mind there just being like two minutes left of this game. And I kind of agreed with you. There always comes that point where they've got a good lead and it's like, okay, well, I would feel good about this if there was like two minutes left, but there's (laughs) 10, so can't get too excited. And Sunvold said, you know, you got to expect a eight to 10 run, like 10 to two run here from Illinois. You just know it's coming. Mm -hmm. And luckily it never really appeared. I mean, about three minutes left, Illinois started bringing three to four minutes left. Illinois started bringing more pressure. Uh, they brought out their full court press, turned Missouri over a little bit. Um, Missouri just had some weird offensive possessions where they couldn't get anything going. And Illinois finally started to make a couple baskets. They got a couple, they actually got an offensive rebound put back that kind of broke the ice for them a little bit. And uh, at one point, Pinson was called for a travel, and Illinois cut the lead to five with 59 seconds left. And I was, I, I don't know, I put on the notes here that I was officially freaking out. I don't know that I was freaking out, but I did not feel good about the situation. There was like maybe like two or three minutes like where it's just like, okay, like I could get, I was getting a little anxious, but like it wasn't a huge deal. And then I think Missouri kind of put, a, put an end to it. But yeah, whenever they started doing the full court press was when I was just kind of wondering, first of all, why haven't they been doing this for longer? Because this is way slowing down the fluidity of our offense and it's making us turn the ball over and Underwood should know that we're definitely turnover prone and they're, they've got some really, you know, scrappy guards that can obviously cause turnover. So that was a head scratcher to me. Obviously Underwood I'm sure has a, has a plan that he was following, but I wondered why they didn't start doing that earlier because they they definitely made things interesting by bringing the press. Yeah, I'd say when you're down 10 to 14 most of the second half, your plan's not working. You can probably move That's on to plan B. exactly, yeah. Um, I thought for the most part, I 
I thought Pinson was doing a good job with the press. He just kind of became one-dimensional. Um, instead of finding an easy outlet a couple times, he, he, he does a good job of staying under control and uh, like splitting a double team and stuff like that. But there were a couple times where he just didn't need to. Yeah, he kept kind of like trapping himself in the corner every time. He'd, he'd, they would inbound the ball to him right in the corner, and then he would almost just allow the double team to come to him, and then he would get stuck. Well, I think he's good enough to – like a couple times you saw him just kind of spin out of there or split between the two guys. and I think he traveled once. And yeah, So, and I thought the refs were kind of inconsistent with how they were calling travels there at the very end because I think he traveled one time, like just completely yeah. picked up his – his pivot foot and they didn't call it i remember that yeah. and missouri scored on the other end pretty quickly when they broke the press so maybe they realized that and thought oh we need to pay attention to that a little bit more or something but then there was another one where if he if he moved his pivot foot it was like he drug it like four inches and they called the travel i was like oh man i don't know i think a couple of times he was kind of faking out the refs and they thought he was moving his feet when he wasn't but regardless um he could have done a couple of things to mitigate that a little bit more and um, that's something that he'll get better at they missouri hasn't faced a press very much this year so far so it'll be interesting to see if any sec teams maybe try to take advantage of that uh, mizzou did a great job making their uh, free throws down the stretch um, pinson and uh, drew smith both not both knocked some down to kind of ice it and hold on mark smith had an opportunity to put an exclamation point on the game also had an opportunity to not be scoreless in the game and kind of failed at both he was fouled before he could get off a monster dunk attempt and it actually reminded me of if you go way back it reminded me of lawrence bowers uh dunking the ball at kansas state when he was like a freshman i think Mm and it was it actually counted yeah. at the very end of the game it probably was unnecessary they could have oh yeah that run was the clock out, definitely an exclamation point though i remember that, that yeah, kansas state was really good that year and uh so fun little memory there but it just kind of gave me flashbacks to that yeah. although in this situation he had already been fouled and just kind of went and finished the dunk anyway illinois took exception to that they did not like that yeah which I liked it. I liked it, but understandable. You know, if, if another guy did that, I would have just been more upset about losing the game than that in particular. I I like to see the guys have fun, and I can understand that the opponent wants to have fun too, even if my team's losing. Um, So he got to shoot four free throws, and he missed every single one of them. In the game total? No, right there at the end. So he, he got fouled, so he had two free throws coming. Then... Uh, Illinois took exception to his dunk and got a technical foul called. So he got to shoot four free throws to try to, you know, get out of the, uh, man, somehow I missed that. I knew he, I knew he shot at least two or maybe three, maybe the technical. L- let me look it up. Maybe, but maybe I'm mistaken. Cause I thought he had more than just one opportunity. I think to... he had three, but I, I think it was like a technical foul or something. I don't know, but you very well could be right. You've seen it twice. Let me look it up. I may have like kind of fallen asleep or something, like you know how I do. <laughs> if I could have, uh, obviously I would take this game exactly how it happened, but if I could have had one more thing to really give me a Merry Christmas, I would have had Mark Smith score like 20 in this game. <laughs> yeah, or at least just that dunk. Or just have like end. a decent game, yeah, <laughs> or that. But it does say something that Missouri was able to find 
some offense without him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just completely without him. So that was a really good win for Missouri. Um, I don't think it'll end up being a quadrant one win, unfortunately. Um, I still think Illinois is going to be potentially on the good side of the bubble. I mean, they're going to have so many opportunities in the Big Ten to get huge wins. They've already gotten one. So uh, losing a neutral site game to a middle-of-the-pack SEC team is not as good. It is worse than it usually is. Is worse this year than it usually is, but I still think they're going to have every opportunity, and I think they're talented enough to maybe get close to uh, winning double-digit games in the Big Ten, but the Big Ten is so good this year that it's going to be really tough, mm-hmm. and they're going to have to pull some upsets to get to double digits in the conference, but they already have, actually. They almost beat Maryland when they yeah. were number one in the country, I believe, or they were top two or three, and then they did knock off number five, Michigan, uh, about a week before the Mizzou game. So they do have already a huge win. And like you said, their roster is really, really talented with uh, some great guards. And obviously Coburn is a fantastic freshman. Man, he's going to be a really, really good player. And I hope he doesn't stick around very long. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I think Underwood was a pretty good hire, at least at the time. Um, <clears throat> he's a good coach. And I'm a little bit surprised that he hasn't put it together more than – um, than he has, especially with the talent on the roster that he has. So, um, <clears throat> but you know, he's still what in his like third year there. So mm-hmm. I guess there's there's time to improve. And I think that they could end up, like you said, having some huge wins this year. Potentially, they're going to have a lot of opportunities. Yeah, I still think. I mean, I, a lot of Illinois fans, obviously, they were pretty salty about the loss, but they were also kind of like overreacting to, to just like throwing away the season. You know, at this point, which. I think it's crazy when, like I said previously, you have so many opportunities in the Big Ten to fans overreacting. <laughs> well, I mean they they were seriously like the season's over, like like throw it away. What are we doing here? You yeah, just hate to see it. <laughs> but it, my point is, they're in a. If Missouri was in their situation, being in the SEC, they just don't have the opportunity to create a resume out of their conference play. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's barely there. It's true. You need to win 11 or 12 games to just kind of turn around your season in conference play. Mm-hmm. Whereas Illinois could win nine, 10 games and have in some conference huge play. wins. Yeah. yeah. And have a, a pretty good resume going into the tournament. I think Illinois will still make the tournament. I think they'll figure things out. I think they're, they're good enough to do that. Um, but yeah, they, they, they will be one of the, like we said, after the temple game, it may be a little bit weird, but if you want, if Missouri has a chance to make the tournament this year, then you want to probably root for Illinois to win mm-hmm. some big games because that'll, and hopefully maybe even get to that quadrant one line because yeah. that'll help Missouri a Definitely. lot. And that'll those, be huge. Those bubble times. Yeah. Um, we're always going to be looking back at that Charleston Southern game. If Missouri is like, if they're looking at nine or 10 wins in the SEC, that Charleston Southern game is going to keep them out of the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I mean, it, it very well could. and But still hats off to the team and Conta Martin for, like, having some resilience and and, and coming back and actually making meaning to the season. Because oh, yeah. at, when we lost that game against Charleston Southern, when they're one of the worst teams in the NCAA, I mean, it's just like, what's the point? This yeah. is like, oh, this is another just going to be an absolutely awful season. And they've really, really turned things around, obviously. That may have been a, a fan overreaction at that point as well. 
but I guess, but I mean, it's probably one of the worst losses in Mizzou basketball history in yeah. program history. Yeah, like, how can you not like overreact a little bit to that? That's a good point. It, it's just so that's bad. Terrible. And I honestly, at that point, I was like, I don't know how you rebound from this. Like, because the the things that you have to do to overcorrect, overcorrect, is yep. that a word? Overcorrect, overcorrect a, a loss like this it will be astronomical. But they've already, you know, really gotten pretty well on that path of doing that. But they're going to have to keep going. Even yeah. even with a three-game winning streak um, against some decent teams, they're still going to have to keep going. <laughs> yeah, so Missouri now 7-4 and four on the season. Of course, three wins in a row. They are up to 52nd in Ken Palm. 116 on offense and 20th on defense. So cracking that top 20 right where we want them to be. Um, anything else about this Illinois game in particular? I think that covers it. So they move on to play Chicago State. I will actually be at this game. Uh, I used to have a tradition of always going to a uh, Christmas break non-conference game and getting nosebleed seats and then just moving up to some nicer seats. So I decided to get a Christmas gift for my dad and my two younger brothers to go see a Mizzou game. Nice. I, I coached them in basketball for the first time this year. They're in uh, kindergarten and first grade. So I coached their basketball team and in order for them to, I, I always feel like little kids just kind of struggle with the, like the concepts of the game at the beginning a little bit, mm-hmm. if they're not if they're not like really into basketball, and so we watch some Mizzou games together just to kind of see you know see it in practice what we talk about, and they would have me like pause the game and we'd try to see if Missouri's defenders were between their man and the basket and stuff like that, and they really like Conzo Martin they like they enjoy the fact that they know that the coach is named Conzo Martin, I think more than anything, and they can recognize him when he comes on TV. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we can, get, we can, uh, I was able to actually get lower level, lower level seats for $6 plus oh, wow. taxes and fees. That's so. fantastic. Chicago state. Yep. <laughs> Maybe uh, that'll, be, that'll still be fun though. That's yeah. awesome. Maybe with uh, coming off three wins and a big, uh, bragging white bragging rights victory. Uh, maybe there'll be more people there than typically would show up for, a game against literally one of the two worst teams in Division One. We talked about Charleston Southern being, you know, around that area. They are, I don't want to say miles better. They are noticeably better than Chicago State. Uh-oh. Yeah. So <clears throat> let me give you the scouting report here. Chicago State is ranked 352nd in Kempom. That is out of 353. They are 4-10 and 10 on the season. Three of those four wins came against Division II or worse opponents. Their only win against a D1 team came against uh, 346-ranked SIU Edwardsville. Man, you're really in for a treat this basketball season because you're going to get to see Chicago State, who's 352 in Kempom, and then uh, you, you, me, and producer Cameron all saw uh, the last, the dead last Kim Pom team a couple weeks ago in Mississippi Valley State when they played Missouri State here in town. So yeah. you're really getting to see some good basketball this year. Well, I just really, I like to, you know, have a good gauge of where Division One is at. So uh, <laughs> when you watch, you know, when you watch Ohio State and Kentucky play on TV and you're just seeing two of the best teams in the country, and then you got to just balance that out. That's by, right. By looking at the other end of the spectrum. Um, 
really makes you appreciate that good basketball. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can watch college basketball sometimes and be like, is, is this good basketball? Um, but when you compare it to this, hopefully, hopefully the answer is yes. Um, Chicago State has lost to uh, 333rd ranked Alabama State and also Jacksonville State and Tennessee State who are around 245. So there's no way Missouri's losing this game. I know we probably said something similar about Charleston Southern, but like I said, they are actually noticeably better than Chicago State. I mean, we're talking about a team right here that is bad on offense, bad on defense and tries to play with pace. So that's just like a terrible combination. If you're bad and play slow, at least you won't get like run out of the gym as often, but they just make it a habit of just getting absolutely destroyed. They lost to Ken Palm ranked 200 Eastern Illinois, 98 to 34. Oh my word. Yeah, just so just a little uh, cherry on top there of the uh, the scouting report. That's awful. Uh, I think Missouri's going to win. <laughs> uh, they are not going to pull a Charleston Southern. No. I think they'll win by 28. And I should not have said the margin before I predicted the score because now I have to do math. <laughs> and so I'll make it easy on myself. And I was going to let you off the hook. I'll and say just... 78 to 50. <laughs> okay, that's... Kyle, you always do this to me. <laughs> Kyle, um, I already decided that my prediction was going to be 79 to 51. No way. Yes. Is that 28? Yeah. It's meant to be. But I was kind of thinking, well, maybe they'll score an extra basket, maybe like 79, 53, but I'm going to stick with 51 <laughs> since it's exactly basically the same as your score. And that's in that's on the December thirtieth. That's so they, on the December. That's 30th. on the actual date of December thirtieth. So they got a little little Christmas break, and hopefully Tillman uh, heals up a little bit. Yeah, really though, I, we haven't heard anything really about his situation. He looked okay, like in the sitting on the bench there yeah. last five minutes and after the game and everything. Yeah, but. I think he was fine. I, I mean, I expected him potentially to have to get some medical attention and there was yeah like, he was fine so. yeah seemed okay uh let's see here well as we uh round out this episode i thought we could take a moment look back at 2019 since this is going to be our last episode of the year and maybe look forward to 2020 but we'll start it off by maybe uh giving the mizzou fans or whoever you feel like giving a few um Christmas gifts. These are not literal physical gifts. These are figurative, um, abstract gifts. Basically just things we want to see happen for the fans or the teams. Okay. Um, realistic. How, however. Okay. Well, other than, you know, giving the gift of like making the NCAA tournament, which would be a nice gift. Yeah. I will gift Missouri a win over a top two SEC team this year, whether that be Auburn or Kentucky or whoever is in the mix. I think Auburn will definitely be in the mix. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see Missouri beat beat a, a premier SEC school this year in basketball. Would you Would you settle for Florida? I think I would, yes. Okay. That's their best shot. <laughs> Florida at home uh, on January 11th. Do they play Kentucky or Auburn at home? Kentucky away, Auburn at home. 
Cool. In February. Cool. I still don't like their chances in that, but Probably we'll not. talk more about the SEC slate next week. Um, you're talking about realistic gifts. My younger brothers that I alluded to previously got a pretty unrealistic gift this year. So I think everything's on the table. Uh, I thought they were going to get a new basketball goal because they just have like a little kid one. Mm-hmm. Uh, come to find out they got an a off-road gas go-kart. And I was like, okay. When I was their age, I got a, a TV VCR combo <laughs> and like almost cried. And they got a two-seater like kids uh, Polaris off-road Wow. Dune buggy go kart thing. That's awesome. Yeah, no I'm, basketball. I'm a goal? little jealous, but uh, they said, "Yeah, we'll just get him a basketball goal in the spring when it, when the weather gets nicer." I was like, "Oh, okay." I remember getting a Nintendo 64. That was like the gift of my childhood that like changed my life. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, let's see here. If I'm gonna give uh, anybody a Christmas gift, I would like to give the football team and coach Drinkwitz some success on the recruiting trail as they sort of finish up their recruiting for 2020. Um, They do have some work left to do. We talked about that last week and they really need to just kind of solidify things by bringing in a few key guys in some key areas. Uh, So that's going to be my main gift that I hope to give. And I I love your idea too of making the NCAA tournament and knocking off one of these big SEC teams. What are some of your favorite moments from 2019? I know it was, a, it was a little bit of a dark year, but there were still some good moments. You're going to have to start this off. Cause okay. I thought of a few. Okay. Um, I didn't really put this in like in chronological order or order of my favorite, but uh, I'll say the Ole Miss game, the football Ole Miss game was, was definitely a, a highlight for me. I, I know that was a that was homecoming. It was a game that all three of us went to and I had a really good time. Um it was a good win, and at the time, it really felt like Missouri had a chance to have a special season. Obviously, we know how that ended, but at the time, I, I was just like loving life, and <laughs> Ole Miss was, and that was Ole Miss was, ended up being a decent team, and um, it was a good night. Um, the other thing that I wrote down was obviously we know how this ended, and it didn't really turn out as, as great as we had hoped. But landing Kelly Bryant was really really cool, and uh, kind of getting him over some big schools and I think legitimately having to having to uh roll out the red carpet for him and 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 get him over Auburn and some other really big time programs was awesome and just the hype around that was something that you just don't see in recruiting Mizzou recruiting ever really and it was weird I mean like there's been a just a handful of times Mm -hmm. in the last 20 years that we've been talking about a recruit and like following it and being like on the edge of our seat like we were with Kelly Bryant and actually felt good about our chances. That was the right. the difference between this and a lot of other times is, you know, we talked about it on the podcast and we were like, it seems like it's going to happen. I, we, it's hard to say that out loud, but it seems like it's going to happen. And it did. That was definitely a huge one. And potentially as weird as it sounds like that, having him is one of the things that just, skyrocketed the expectations and then eventually led to what ended up being a really disappointing season. So it, it just like there's a handful of players from this team that because they were on this roster, the expectations were so high and it's just a shame that they couldn't live up to them. But that was definitely a high point uh, for the last 12 months, just him deciding to come to Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, 
<clears throat> I don't want to steal any of your potential answers, but it. one of them was obviously the Bracken Rights game from a couple days ago. And then one more that I thought of was um, when we hired Coach Drinkwitz, and actually it was a few days before that, there was a thread on powermazoo.com that was kind of following some some flights to the North, I guess, North Carolina area or wherever uh, Drinkwitz was. And we were, everybody was like, trying to guess who they were going for and um you know or whether it was a really a thing or not and obviously it ended up being being a huge thing but there was like 600 replies and like a couple of hours on this thread and everybody was just the hype was unreal and it ended up being true that we we were right that uh Sterk was going out to get drink wits and that was pretty pretty fun to follow yeah as disappointing as the end of the football season was and <clears throat> as much as i liked barry odom and everything that that would probably have to be my number one for 2019 it was just the entire coaching search mm-hmm. and just it, once you get over the disappointment of the season and uh you know moving on from familiar faces that whole process is just especially when it ends pretty decently is so exciting and you know you're just always checking social media checking all the blog sites you know places that i visited like websites and articles and stuff that I visited like once in the whole year I'm like oh they know what they're talking about so I better check that every 20 minutes <laughs> yeah so yeah just a, a really fun time and I would say that was easily the, the the best moment of 2019 was just that part of it was just that ending just mm-hmm. like finally getting someone that seemed like they were who I mm-hmm. would be okay with sometimes the most fun moments in sports really are just like those off-season things of just like the hope yeah and, exactly and the excitement you get from the from the potential future is just what makes sports so fun i agree i don't have anything else to add next week we'll uh probably preview the sec slate because uh it's going to start right off the bat missouri's going to have five games with every team inside the Ken Palm top 70. Yeah. That beginning of the SEC schedule is going to be rough. So they got to kind of stay alive. And uh, there's a couple opportunities for your marquee win that you're That's true. Uh, gifting them. That's true. Merry Christmas to them. Hopefully. Yeah. And, and Merry us. Christmas to our listeners. Merry Christmas to, to you guys. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you guys. All right. You can find us on Apple podcasts, iTunes, Google podcasts, and Spotify. We're on Twitter at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. All right. If you're uh, listening to our show with family members and stuff, just make sure that you just grab their phone real quick and subscribe on their behalf and give us that five star rating. We'll just leave us a review. Yep. It's always appreciated. And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a very uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays for any, any other holidays you might be celebrating. And we will see you next week.